The Lord be with you and also with you. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Hallelujah. We welcome you to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, homily, and sacrament are offered on this Ascension Sunday in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel and for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. On this first Sunday of the month, as is our custom, we welcome all of whatever age, station, or background to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Those listening on the radio may request communion in the home by calling the chapel office. We commend to you the ministry of the chapel, both its programmatic offerings and its sermonic offerings found on our website. We invite those so moved to identify as members of the chapel community simply by so signing the pew roster or by speaking with one of the clergy or by leaving a note in the collection plate. We encourage one another to continue or to commence the practice of disciplined generosity, of tithing, of percentage giving. We invite you to ponder just what form your ministry will take among us in the coming weeks this summer of 2019. A dish to pass community luncheon follows worship downstairs and all are warmly invited to attend. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things, mercifully give us faith to perceive that, according to his promise, he abides with his church on earth, even to the end of the ages. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we exchange with one another signs of his peace. Be seated. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father 
This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation 
as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put his work, power to work, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 47 with the Antiphon. your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God is King over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. And now, brothers and sisters, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. <clears throat> when you cross into a new time zone, you may hardly notice the change. You drive from Boston to Kansas City, from Kansas City to Denver, from Denver to San Diego, and you cross in and out of different time zones. And in the crossing, you hardly notice the change. Boundaries are often invisible, arranged in the imagination. <clears throat> They are not, though, for that reason, inconsequential. If you forget that the zone you are in has changed, you may arrive <clears throat> to buy gasoline an hour after the station is closed and so sleep that evening in your car. <clears throat> On the Feast of the Ascension, we cross into a new time zone in the Christian year, and especially in the Gospel of Luke and Luke's Acts of the Apostles. Our Gospel and lesson today acclaim the Ascension. Let us endeavor <clears throat> to understand their chiming joy, to interpret these pages <clears throat> of holy writ, to understand them by standing under them, as it were. <clears throat> For we are placing ourselves in apprehension of love and truth here, so that the chance may emerge that our apprehension of scripture may give way to scripture's apprehension of us, <clears throat> so that grasping we may be grasped, and speaking we may hear, <clears throat> and longing to love we may be loved. Luke, by legend, was a physician, <clears throat> excuse me, a writing physician like Oliver Sacks or Anton Chekhov. Luke, whom we follow in the Sunday readings this year, is the only gospel writer to add a sequel to his book. Luke's Gospel precedes Luke's Acts, and together they form some 25% of the New Testament. The Ascension, the translation of Jesus from temporary earthly location to lasting eternal home, <clears throat> lies somewhere close to the deep heart of what Luke, fore and aft, 
was out for, was after. <clears throat> Our gospel lesson today is the very end of the Gospel of Luke. Our lesson from Acts today is the very beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. So we are at a major divide, a seam in the seamless gar garment of the scripture. For Luke, all of time is divided into three parts, as was Caesar's Gaul, divisum est and tres partes. First, there is the time of Israel that runs up to and includes the ministry of John the Baptist. Second, there is the time of Jesus, beginning with the Baptist and running up to, well, this morning, the ascension. Third, there is the time of the church, which runs from right now on up to the end of time when Jesus will come again. <clears throat> Luke has set the orderly account of Jesus, his preaching and teaching and healing, his passion and death and resurrection, in between Israel and the church, John and the ascension. Jesus has been making appearances and speaking of the kingdom of God, an extension of resurrection, but now he departs, making space for the baptism of spirit next Sunday, Pentecost, just as his life took wing in the baptism of water at the hand of John the Baptist. Notice that John and his baptism are mentioned right here, right at the moment of prediction of the baptism of the spirit. For Luke, all time is divided into these three parts. You, careful listener, though, will have noticed a bit of a problem. Luke has, Luke has Jesus ascend twice, once in the gospel on the eighth day, as is the gospel tradition, and then again in Acts after 40 days. You just heard them both said. So, which is it? After some study, let us simply admit defeat, as Father Joe Fitzmaier puts it, why Luke has dated the ascension of Jesus in these two different ways, no one will ever know. Though, from this pulpit, this morning, we might offer a thought. For Luke, chronology, as does geography, finally serves theology. His chronology and his geography serve his theology, his preaching of the gospel. Luke is willing to admit a bit of chronological confusion or even contradiction in order to insist to make clear his joyful sense of time in three parts. So, one ascension, Luke 24, it may be, makes clear the end of time of Jesus. And the other ascension, seen, Acts 1, it may be, makes clear the beginning of the time of the church. With Luke in Gospel and Acts guiding us, we come to communion this morning in the time zone of the church. Here we find bread for the journey and wine for the soul. Here we find sustenance to go on in faith. In the example of our forebears, in the ministry of ordinary saints, in the chance possibility of conversion, this morning it might be, example, ministry, conversion, we recognize a different time zone, that which follows on ascension, the time of the church. First, there is bread for the journey, wine for the soul, in sturdy example. 
St. Luke, perhaps more than any other gospel writer, affirms the utter importance of leadership in life, in community, in church, in all. And leadership is example, period. For Luke, throughout all Acts, you can see and name leadership by the examples of Peter and of Paul. And we too, in our time, cherish exemplary leadership. At morning prayer in the Harvard Memorial Church in a special service for the board of visitors there some 10 years ago or more, Peter Gomes of blessed memory and inimitable voice offered a meditation based on his childhood breakfast memory. At his home in Plymouth over breakfast, the morning papers were quietly read, including the obituaries, most especially the obituaries. His mother emphasized these, Peter remembered. She pointedly asked morning by morning after the meal and the morning papers, anybody interesting die? By these, he went on to recall, Peter's mother meant especially, did any African Americans of note die and were they eulogized properly in the papers? It was one of her ways, one guesses, of teaching and shaping the young Mr. Gomes in the way of faith. She wanted him to learn from the experience and achievement of others. Anybody interesting die today? Well, the anecdote here loses much of its punch and panache without the developed Elizabethan intonation preferred and practiced by Professor Gomes and heard from this pulpit. James Forbes at breakfast and just before preaching here at Marsh Chapel one weekend sent his greetings to Peter and said, Remind him sometime that he is not a 19th century Englishman. It was said in good humor, in jest, and in that covenant of the preaching clergy wherein once, once upon a time, one could josh, josh with one another. There was at one time, not so long ago, a preaching siblinghood wherein one person sharpened another like iron sharpens iron. It is in this sense of memory, of reading the, the obituaries, of noting especially those who have come up the hard way of honoring the gifts of others that we may ourselves be capable of honor in some way to honor the life of James Allen McPherson, which obituary of his appeared in a newspaper recollection just a couple summers ago. He, an African-American son of the South, son of a carpenter and a maid, graduate of an historically black college in Atlanta, then of Harvard Law. McPherson decided against the law and chose to write instead, becoming the first black author to win the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Yet his writing sometimes remembered the law. I don't have to drink the whole ocean to know it is salty, and I don't have to read all his books to know that McPherson could write with the wind as writing in the Atlantic in 1978. What Albion W. Turgi in his brief in 1896 against segregated rail, railroad cars in Plessy versus Ferguson, Ferguson was proposing, I think, was that each United States citizen would attempt to approximate the ideals of the nation beyond at least conversant terms with all its diversity carry the mainstream of the culture inside himself. As an American, 
by trying to wear these clothes, he would be a synthesis of high and low, black and white, city and country, provincial and universal. If he could live with these contradictions, he would be simply a representative American. I believe that if one can experience diversity, touch a variety of its people, laugh at its craziness, distill wisdom from its tragedies, and attempt to synthesize all this inside oneself without going crazy, one will have earned the right to call oneself a citizen of the United States, McPherson wrote. Now this is fine writing, a paragraph finely composed. McPherson remembered Plessy versus Ferguson, and in reading him, Reverend Professor Peter Gomes came to mind for this reader. Gomes haunted the reading, partly for what his mother taught him in reading at the breakfast table down in the Cranberry Bogs of Plymouth, and mostly because, by ricochet and oddly, McPherson captured the very gift of our former neighbor and pastor from Harvard Memorial Church. Gomes lived the contradictions without going crazy. Second, there is bread for the journey and wine for the soul in spirited ministry. Hear the ringing gospel in Luke. On a morning, this morning, when we think of 12 more good lives sacrificed to gun violence in Virginia Beach, a violence that proper appreciation for public health and consequent adequate gun laws would largely erase, we need soulfully and fully to hear the Lucan evangel. Salvation, forgiveness, peace, life. Remember and repeat, salvation, forgiveness, peace, life. There is a better way to live and a better path forward to the common good than we have yet embraced. Those who show us the gospel grace in ministry can convince us, like Mona Lee Brock, who died this spring. I love her story, and I cherish her ministry, partly because it connects so strongly with our own past and part of our summer life each year, including this year. Mona Lee Brock had farming in her bones. Farming, she said, you don't learn from books. It's not taught to you by a professor in college. It's taught by sitting in your father's lap on a tractor or between your mother and father in a field. It's from birth up and it's part of you. So when the farm crisis of the 1980s swept across the nation's fields and plains, when bankruptcies and foreclosures soared and crop prices fell, and when many farmers who saw no way out took their own lives, Mrs. Brock was moved to act. She assigned herself the job of ad hoc emergency counselor to farmers. As someone who had grown up on farms and had lost her own family farm, she was sympathetic to their plight. She took thousands of calls around the clock, talking despondent farmers down from the ledge and de devising strategies to try to save their farms. Willie Nelson, the country singer and driving force behind Farm Aid, called Mrs. Brock 
the angel on the other end of the line. Around that time, Mrs. Brock, who knew most people in her Lincoln County from her work in the public schools, invited many of them over to her farm one night so that they could talk about how to survive. Farmers soon began calling at her at home, and when they were in trouble, started <coughs> her on an accidental career of counseling them. Her son said the suicide calls to his mother seemed constant and often chaotic. Her overarching goal was to make sure the family survived, even if the farm did not. She led the way in terms of how to counsel people, one wrote. People could relate to her and unburden themselves. She was on the same level as they were. She was very calming. She was a farmer. When the Oklahoma Conference of Churches wanted to set up a suicide intervention hotline, it contacted Mrs. Brock. Asked what kept his mother going, her son said, the Bible and the Constitution. A Baptist, she often prayed with her callers, and he said, she cautioned those who were suicidal to think about their families and what it would be like for their children if they sat down at the supper table and there was an empty chair. Mrs. Brock died at 87 on March 19, 2019 at her home in Durant, Oklahoma. Doesn't it make you wonder what further dimensions each of our ministries could engage. Third, there is bread for the journey and wine for the soul in the call to faith, in the experience of conversion. For Luke, in the epoch, era, and time of the church, this was the baptism of the Spirit. Now let us make this personal for you and for me. Somehow, we ended up in worship this morning, or we are listening to the service over the radio waves. Is there a nudge to faith here, or to renewed faith for you here? Faith is a gift of God given in ordinary time, Luke's time for the church. Faith is the courage and capacity to get up and start again. It is a saving gift, a forgiving gift, a peace-giving gift. It is the gift of life itself. Is there a nudge here, a nudge to faith for you here this morning? Faith is God's gift to you. Our neighbor in Newton, Malik Gachem, had a letter printed Wednesday of this week in the New York Times. He is explaining his conversion recently to faith through the Catholic Church at a time when many churches are awash in conflict, scandal, and trouble. The word, he wrote, church has two meanings in Catholicism. The institutional church, the hierarchy of priests headed by the Pope, and the body of Christ made up of all of us who are Catholic. This second church is the one I joined. I follow the Pope, but the institutional church has a distinctly secondary place 
in my understanding of Catholicism. I want to see the institutional church reformed, but since it did not draw me to Catholicism in the first place, it would be unlikely to deter me in the end from the more spiritual definition of the church. Many of us could say the same of our own life journeys in faith, in our own communities, and in our own churches. Is there a nudge to faith here for you this morning? Are you hearing the voice of someone whose example gladdened your heart? Take this sacrament to your comfort. Are you remembering the labors of someone who provided saving health to others? Take this sacrament to your comfort. Are you at a moment come Sunday and for all the human foibles of the churches when somebody's calling your name, calling you to faith? Take this sacrament to your comfort. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
Please be seated. We welcome you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. As we turn to communion here in our first Sunday of the month, we invite you to receive either wine in the chalice on the pulpit side or grape juice in the chalice on the lectern side. And there is a healing prayer station under the first window on the pulpit side for those who wish to avail themselves of that. More information about communion and our healing prayer stations is available in your bulletin for those who wish to take note. Our Summer Preacher Series begins in three weeks' time. On Sunday, June 23rd, we begin by welcoming Dr. Robert Franklin from Emory University uh, to start us off. We encourage you to uh, take a look at the list of preachers in your bulletin or on the front page of the chapel website at bu.edu slash chapel. There on the chapel website, you will also find the opportunity for online giving. We, speaking of giving, we welcome this morning Sharon Wheeler from the BU Planned Giving Office for a word of greeting. Welcome, Sharon. Good morning to everyone here, to everyone in the sanctuary, on WBUR and on the web. Thank you, Dean Hill, for inviting me again to speak about the power of and impact of plain giving. Thank you, Brother Larry, as well, for introducing me. I'm pleased to be here again. This is my third time here. My name is Sharon Wheeler. I serve as the Director of Plain Giving at Boston University. And in my role, I serve as a resource for anyone who may be considering a gift to Marsh Chapel that might take some extra planning. Some of you may know that you can support Marsh Chapel in a number of ways with your time, your talent, and your treasure. In my role, I have the privilege of working with a number of wonderful donors who are generous in supporting Boston University and all of its affiliated uh, organizations, including Marsh Chapel. And I get to work with them as they consider their legacies. I want to talk very briefly about a woman that I've worked with um, who lives locally. Uh, I'll call her Dorothy. And uh, she uh, is a graduate of Boston University. She studied music here, and music is her life. She uh, performs in a chorale here in the Boston area. I went and heard her and her group sing. It was amazing. And the work I did with her as she supports Boston University and the music here at Boston University is she worked with me to include a gift in her will to support music education and chorale, chorale education specifically. And it's a wonderful gift, and I have the, the great pleasure of, of continuing to steward her and get to know her and share the joy of the type of impact that her gift will have. With some thoughtful planning, you also might be able to make a gift to Marsh Chapel, and it could be a gift that you didn't even think was possible. You can perhaps make a gift that gives you a fixed income for your lifetime. You can even make a gift that mitigates or avoids taxes. Please know that any conversation with me or anyone on my team is without obligation. So if you're considering making a gift through your will, a gift with some appreciated securities, or you'd just like to hear some options, I encourage you to contact me. 
My phone number is 617-353-9522. We also have resources on the web at bu.edu slash plannedgiving. And my team has a toll-free number as well, which you can call at 800-645-2347. I want to thank you again for uh, hearing my message today. And for those who are attending here, uh, we have brochures available on your way out. Thank you again. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on William Croft's setting of verses from Psalm 47, God is gone up with a merry noise. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and brought us to the land flowing with milk and honey and set before us the way of life. So with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit by your great mercy we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading once we were no people but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. 
Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray.
we pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.